0: Good evening, this is To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr, our brand new show where we prove that different political opinions does not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup and I will be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Hello everybody, that's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and
1: true blue conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona, but despite these different standpoints we're still good friends. Tonight we'll be discussing the following. Should we be supportive of making no-fault divorces easier? Which of these controversial former party leaders is your favorite? Do you want to have children? And with each of these discussions, they'll be accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. Uh, And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic.
0: But first... Last week, we asked you to send us in your opinions on whether or not you felt America is no longer the leader of the free world. Um, And I just want to give a little bit of context around this question before we move on to your fascinating responses. So since the Second World War, spanning 14 US presidents, Republican and Democratic, the occupant of the Oval Office has been referred to as the leader of the free world. However, now under Trump's administration, many people argue that we now cannot say that America is the leader of the free world. Our first message comes in from Katie And she says, if by free world you mean the West, then absolutely America's position hasn't changed, in my opinion. We all still talk about the news and what is happening in America every day says to me that it is still the leader of the free world. We are all here hoping that the U.S. returns from this Trumpanian era to a more liberal future. The fact that we are still so invested in the U.S. says to me that we are looking to them as leaders. Callum, what do you think about that opinion?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Katie does have a really good point there. You know, we do still look a lot to um, uh, the United States, um, especially since they've gone on this kind of Trump turn. Um, we, I think, there is a lot of expectation from around the world that. That that's a, that's a mistake, and they will ditch that. Um, and of course, yeah, um, America does dominate a lot in terms of the headlines. Still, I mean, obviously, Trump writes a headline in himself, so uh, that <laughs> does always help. Um, but I I do think that, it, although although I do tend to agree, we do we do see uh, America dominate the headlines an awful lot. I don't think we should necessarily term it as the leader of the free world anymore I, I think partly because the world's changed so much, I think when America did become the leader of, of the free world as such um, th- that it was the only kind of superpower that um, pro that proposed or, or or held these kind of liberal principles, whereas I think nowadays, um, if we look at the climate around the world, you know we've got we've got the European Union, which is, um, you know, something of a superpower in its own right, and obviously does broadly support democratic principles. We've also got other nation states like India and Brazil, and then also not so much in terms of the, the free world, but in terms of showing the context has changed. We've also got China and, and Russia around as well. So I, I, I'm i not 100% sure that I, I, I agree with Katie in that. Um, just kind of moving on to the, the next opinion we got in from Sam. So Sam said, the US still leads culturally, even if it isn't as influential on politics anymore. Uh, most of the music film and tv shows that we watch are american and hollywood is still the center of the entertainment industry the soft power that the us has through entertainment and media is still so important and influential and we consume more media now through social media all of which are american companies than ever before so their influence over that is massive too i mean what do you think of that george in in terms of more going along the cultural Uh, argument as opposed to the, the political and the free market argument.
0: Mm. I, I I must admit, um, Sam, you have brought brought to light an argument that I had never even thought of yes, um, when you. we when we brought this question forward. Um, because to me, when I was thinking about leader of the free world, I was thinking politically. Um, and and you make a, a fascinating point and a really interesting point. Um, and I and I do to a degree uh, agree with you in what you're saying. We do see a lot of influence in social media, in media, in films from America. Um, and I don't know whether that's because we see um, America has such a vast population, which means there are more opportunities for people over there, um, or because of the the raw talent that America is is being able to produce. But also, I I, I do believe that um, even though a lot of these industries and entertainment businesses are American, I would say that a lot of European countries play a role within those Um, companies as well for example if we're looking at films yes it might be an american-based company but i would say a lot of the the influence from that is taken from the actors that that portray the roles Um, and a lot of the actors are uh, european but also i i I feel if we look at tv shows and films american uh produced films in my opinion are always a bit different to european produced films um and you can always tell the difference uh, i find and i i i feel that the the culture element of america is we i i feel like that america and united kingdom cultural wise is quite similar um and I and I believe in because of that we bounce off each other in in certain cultural um, in ways that we live our lives and and I think maybe that's why we we might think especially in this country that we have are being influenced so much culturally by America because it's kind of already what we practice. What do you think on that though, Callum? Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. We
1: do bounce off of each other. I think if we look at something, you know, a really big moment that's happening tonight the, the game of thrones final season premiere Woo! um i i i think if you look at that i mean a lot of the actors an awful lot of the actors are british uh, but obviously it's produced primarily uh not geographically within the states but by an american company and yeah. um, hbo um so it does show that yeah we do bounce off each other but more to the point uh, from sam in terms of um the United States' cultural influence. Yeah, I mean, of course, I think arguably that is a place where it is still the leader of uh, the free world in terms of its cultural influence now.
0: Yeah. Let's bring this back to um, the political side from um, this next opinion from Cameron. Um, And he says to me, being the leader of the free world would suggest that you have an actual influence on global politics, which America just doesn't have anymore, in my opinion. Everyone may talk about what is happening over there and U.S. politics, but everyone... Kind of does the opposite to whatever the US does. Trump pulls out of the Paris Climate Accord and everyone else doubles down on it. Trump supports Russia, everyone else puts sanctions on Russia. The only way that they are a leader is that everyone looks at their pol- policies and says, we'll do the opposite. What an, what an opinion that is. That's a really precise opinion. What do you think, Callum? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a po-
1: point I hadn't thought about again, really. I think. I, I think there is an element of truth in that, though, um, in, in mm-hmm. kind of I, I think it's because of how divisive a figure Trump is um, and the actions he, he's taken, you know, aren't really the the acts of a leader of, of a free world as such. I mean, yeah. putting up a, a, a wall um, between um, America and one of its closest neighbours is, you know, it, it, it doesn't strike me as a particularly liberal thing to do. Uh, so so I, I can definitely see that. And I think there has been a reaction against that. I mean, what do you think on that as well, George?
0: I, so I, I just quickly link that back to the first one we have from Katie about America always hitting the news. And I do agree that they do always hit the news. But just because they're hitting the news doesn't mean that they, they are potentially a leader of the free world because i feel like a lot of the news that comes out of america is bad and like cameron rightly says because of that a lot of countries do the opposite of what um america is actually doing um so so yeah i i I very much agree with Cameron's Cameron's point here, um, and it's a fantastic. We've had fantastic um, opinions in from from everyone tonight. Um, thank you very much. Um, I think it's now time for us to move on to our first on break of this evening, and here is "So Am I" by AvaMax. Welcome back. So um, remember, we'll be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show.
1: Right, and time to move on to our first poll topic of this evening. Uh, And we are discussing should we be supportive of making no-fault divorces easier? So no-fault divorces are marriages that are cancelled, which give Um, or rather assign no blame for the breakdown of the marriage onto either party. Currently, if a couple wants a no-fault divorce, they must live apart for two years. Um, And if actually one of the spouses does not agree to end the marriage, they must live apart for five years before a divorce is granted. Um, But the government has announced recently Uh, that divorce laws in England and Wales will be changed um, as soon as the parliamentary time becomes available, which will make no-fault divorces far easier to happen. Uh, The new laws will include a a minimum time frame of six months from petition stage uh, to a marriage being ended, a sharp reduction from the current minimum timetable, and the changes will also prevent people from refusing a divorce if their spouse wants one. So, George, are you supportive of the moves to make no fault divorces quicker and easier, or are you concerned that it poses a threat to the tradition and sanctity of marriage?
0: Um, I am in support of, of this movement, and I and I think it will be. It's a very welcome change, and it modernises um, Britain in a in a very good way, in my opinion. Um, I feel like that it might pose a threat to the traditional idea of marriage, but I I in today's society, I feel like the the traditional way of marriage is not what it used to be. And there's nothing wrong in trying to modernize what marriage is today. Um, for me, um, I feel like this new law that will be coming in will not benefit just the people that are going through a divorce, but benefit the family that is going through it as well. Um, I speak from my own experience from uh, my parents divorced nearly 10 years ago now um and i feel like because of the the law that's currently in place it it's very easy to shed that blame to try and get the divorce through um or having that you have to have that time period of of living separately for two years um and again that can create strengths on the family, and I feel like the this isn't so much for the 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 people that will be going through through this divorce. I feel like it will be actually more for the families that have to go through it and the children that go through it because it will make people it will make either the mom or the dad not so isolated by feeling there is a certain amount of blame upon them just to get a divorce through. And I, I think that this will make a more civil and a better approach to having divorces. And by doing that, it means that parents that are divorced will have the opportunity to still have a relationship um, that will benefit their their children growing up. Um, I mean, yeah, for, for those for those people that are married and that don't have... Um, children and maybe they potentially there might be someone that gets married quite often yeah I'm sure this will be taken advantage of but that doesn't mean to say we should stop this because of that small minority we should absolutely push this forward and support this movement in the face of those young children and, and teenagers that suffer from parents being divorced yeah, no, I, I, I
1: completely agree with you that, George. I think the most important reason why um, we should be supportive of making no-fault divorces easier is because it makes them more amicable uh, or, or hopefully should lead to them being far more amicable. You don't have to kind of um, dig up the, the, the past of, of the relationship quite so much. Um, that should mean that, that when um, children are involved, um these people um are far more capable of continuing to have a kind of positive um relationship after that that, that then means that um for the children it's far less stressful um, and, and the teenagers as you say it's far less stressful when these kind of things happen um just to kind of bring in the other side of this um though um, there's kind of an, an argument um, against making these no-fault divorces easier, um, not just because in terms of the, it will protect the sanctity um, of marriage by making sure that these no-fault divorces aren't as easy, but also um, there's an argument that maybe what we should be looking at is before people get married, we should be looking to educate them in the kind of financial implications that marriage has, but also the implications it has on, on your relationship in general and kind of the the importance of the commitment that you're making. Um and and so that so there's this train of thought that says that rather than making no-fault divorces easier, we should be trying to almost prevent the need for divorces in the the first place. I mean, what would be your response to that, George? Do you have any kind of sympathy for that kind of
0: argument? I think that, We shouldn't be having an argument upon either or I don't see there being anything against having that education as well as this law being passed, Um, because it it, it is a matter of fact that when you go into get married to someone, there is a a bigger financial burden upon yourselves. You have you are supporting someone else Um, and and also your life gets more serious you know you're living with someone else you have to you've got bills to pay and so on and so forth but i i don't believe we should be having it's either this option or that option i i think we should maybe be trying to bring those two options together to to get this message through that that, that marriage is not just a lovely idea it is a commitment for life um but also i i do feel that our generation and generations below ours will now be in are now in a situation where marriage isn't as um, idealized as it used to be and i feel like generations before ours have always had that especially my grandparents generations where you've got to get married and when you're married you've got to be with that person for a very long time and i mean i think if we're talking about divorces our friendship group, Callum, I would say probably 80% of our friends in that friendship group have parents that are divorced. And yeah. it's it, that is because I feel like the, that generation of, of parents and, and adults realise that it's not everything that maybe their mum and dad's had. And because of different cultural beliefs and how time has moved on, marriage isn't as much as, of importance as it used to be. Um, so I think generations to come won't rely on marriage just to have this i don't know official bond between a couple when at the end of the day if you love someone you love someone
1: yeah yeah i mean i i, I mean there's also this kind of movement that's um particularly amongst our generation suggesting that marriage as an institution in itself is is sexist so so that they would argue that because um traditionally uh the the wife has to take the man's name um and the kind of man gives the daughter away in kind of traditional marriages um they would argue that because of this it, it's very much um sexist and it's kind of caught up in this um structures of patriarchy uh do you, what do you think of that
0: just very briefly george do you think marriage is a sexist institution absolutely not i feel like that is we're pushing on the boundaries of making issues around areas that we don't need to make issues upon um because nowadays um gay people can get married so and and also if you if the the woman woman doesn't want to lose her um maiden name she doesn't have to that she can have a double-barreled surname or the man can choose to take her name um and i feel like that there is nothing wrong with a, a their dad taking them down the aisle, and I, to me, that is the idea of the perfect wedding, and I don't ever would I would never just presume that that is a sexist institu- institution, um, because to me that is just tradition, and I, I just I find it hard to see how that is sexist when you could choose to not have that go on there is no rule book to, ru- rule book to say you have to have it this way you have to do that to get your marriage certificate there is that because most rule books now around marriage have been thrown out of the window and quite rightly so because i feel like the the, the idea of sexist sexism has um been brought out of marriages now but wh- what do you think on that um
1: yeah no i agree with you that uh, marriage has certainly modernized a lot i think there is still it is still slightly tied towards sexism but far less than what it is um so george just before we go to the song break how do you think this this poll is going to go so should we be supportive of making no fault divorces easier uh what do you think is yes or no going to come out on top i'm in this?
0: i'm going to say um yes is going to come out on top by 68 percent okay i reckon yes a lot higher than that though 80 percent oh
1: right then let's see how you guys end up voting away on this so just to reiterate that question is should we be supportive of making no fault divorces easier and you can vote on that at wizardradio.co.uk for us listen uh, but for now here is r.i.p by sophia reyes Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed with Cup and Gert. Before the break, we asked, should we be supportive of making no-fault divorces easier? And you guys have been voting away on that one. Uh, So 76% of you have said, yes, uh, we should be supportive of making no-fault divorces easier compared to 24% of you that have said, no, we shouldn't. Uh, So George bit more uh in line with my prediction on that one why do you um, think that is
0: unfortunately so I'm, I'm actually i'm really happy that it is higher than uh, what i said and more more closer to what you said but um, I, I think that's because people are agree with the arguments that we put forward in terms that it's it's time to modernize the way we divorce yeah yeah
1: we do argue well george we do argue well <laughs>
0: Um, Right, let's move on to our third discussion of um, this evening. And remember, this discussion is the multi poll discussion. We're asking the question, which of these controversial former party leaders is your favourite? So the options for this poll are Margaret Thatcher who was leader of the Conservative Party and Britain's Prime Minister for almost 12 years between 1979 and 1990. She was the first woman ever to hold that job. She was often called the Iron Lady, a controversial leader for her introduction of the poll tax and stubbornness in Parliament. The second option is Tony Blair, the Labour leader who served as Prime Minister between 1997 and 2007. He was the youngest Prime Minister since 1812 and the longest serving Labour Prime Minister. He's a man who has been labelled as a war criminal and some would say he was a Labour member wearing a Tory jacket. And the final option is Nick Clegg, or should I say Sir Nick Clegg, I don't know. Um, From 2007 to 2015, Clegg held the position of the leader of the Liberal Democrat Party and Deputy Prime Minister under the Conservative and Liberal Democrat Coalition between 2010 and 2015. He was a man that is known for lying about abolishing tuition fees and taking the Lib Dems too far right in supporting the Tories and tarnished the Lib Dems the name of Conservative MPs, wearing yellow jackets. But Callum, I'm guessing we all know the answer, but who is your favourite former party leader out of those three? And if he wasn't on there, who would you pick next? <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't know that
1: uh, Nick Hague took us to the far right, George.
0: Well, no, <laughs> I, meant, I meant further right. I, I, maybe <laughs> I need to, to uh, polish up my skills on it, writing introductions.
1: <laughs> Um, yeah, so obviously, as, as you say, um, Nick Clegg is my favourite out of those controversial former party leaders. Um, <laughs> you know, I think if if we look at um, Nick Clegg uh, and the, the coalition government in general, uh, the Liberal Democrats in that coalition introduced uh, gay marriage against heavy Tory resistance, uh, including from our current prime minister um, and We also introduced uh, or rather we took thousands of the lowest earners out of paying income tax altogether, again, against strong conservative resistance. Uh, And I think more to the point in terms of looking at this question in in general, uh, if we compare Clegg to Blair and, and Thatcher, uh, Clegg was the junior partner in a coalition, only deputy prime minister, where the other two were prime minister. Um, so he n- had nowhere near as much of a free reign to do as he would have wanted. Um, but still, despite this, uh, he managed to work in the national interest um, and kind of water down a lot of the, sev- the severest um, urges of the Conservative Party. Uh, so for that reason, I think, we should look at Clegg as the the most favorably out of those three. Uh, and if Clegg wasn't on the ballot, as it were, uh, I would be looking to, uh, to back Tony Blair. Oh, wow. Um, More out of a, I very much am not a big fan of Margaret Thatcher. Uh, you know, the, the milk snatcher, someone who, um, Oversaw many, many homes being repossessed, not just during her premiership, but after it, because she oversaw an interest rate of 15%. And over two million manufacturing jobs were lost um, between 1979 and 1981 during the recession that she oversaw. Um, So, for those reasons, I'm not a big fan of Thatcher. So, that leaves kind of the next best option in terms of Blair. Now, George, why are you gonna tell me that the Thatcher <laughs> is so amazing?
0: Um, well, I wouldn't ever say that she's so amazing because everyone has their flaws, and quite rightly so. You point out some um, flaws of herself. Um, but first of all, I think the main key argument here is that she was our first female uh, prime minister, the first female to ever have a significant role within politics in any European country. Um, and she, I, I think just that alone should put her quite high up on this list. Um she was a a lady that made buying your own house doable. She brought in the right to buy scheme and under her leadership um, and her government, she allowed working class people to actually invest in their family, invest in their home, buy it um, to help benefit their family around them. Um, she defeated the trade unionists that were coming up, attacking strikes um, under her leadership. The, uh, the uh, strikes actually fell. And also, even though the unions were claimed that, um, she destroyed manufacturing in Britain the British factories actually increased their output by 7.5% during her premiership um, and that's official statistics from the Office for National Statistics Um, she, she also was someone that that started the, ne- the negotiations with Northern Ireland, she brought in, she signed the Anglo-Irish Agreement, um, which gave the Republic of Ireland a say in affairs um, of the North, paying, paving the way to essentially what Tony Blair then signed, which was the Good Friday Peace Agreement um, in 1998. And something as well, which I quite like, that she brought in and her government brought in, was education reforms under her leadership. She made it possible for parents to actually um choose where their children would go to school and and decide what education that they had she um made local authorities less in control of the future of um younger generations and and allowed the parents to choose where they wanted their their children to 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 move on and maybe a controversial one but for me i suppose you could say it was good because we won but the falklands war um she decided to go against argentina and we won and i think that was a fantastic victory for this country um and like i said everyone has flaws but i do believe that Margaret thatcher is the best most iconic um controversial leader on this list and that's why i think you should back her if i was to say um who i'd pick next i would have to say i'd pick nick clegg next because i just couldn't um touch tony blair with a large bowl um so i i just i couldn't even dare dare touch him no um but what what if, what elements of tony blair's premiership would you say most uh benefit him to be voted for in this poll um i think w- with tony Blair, the, the main
1: thing about tony blair is that um kind of he, he invested uh, an, an awful lot in in education he also invested in, in Sure start centers uh he introduced um devolution um into uh, scotland and wales Um so so i think on, on those kind of things um we should be looking at him favorably he also introduced um the House of Lords reform, although arguably didn't go far enough. Um, and I think really the way I would summarize Tony Blair's um, premiership is, is he had such an opportunity, you know, the, these massive landslides he got to, to really change the fabric of this nation in a, in a very similar way to what I can see Margaret Thatcher did do. She ultimately has affected, um, British politics more probably than any other politician, um, or, or certainly more than any any um, prime minister since then. Um, mm-hmm. But Tony Blair never really got to the grips of that kind of legacy. You know, if we look at the Sure Start centres, they a, a lot of them have been closed down once the, the Conservatives came into government. Um, in terms of the kind of education funding we had, you know, these, the massive uh, investment in the infrastructure in schools there. Um, s- since then, we've seen the kind of investment go down in terms of those kind of things. Uh, and I just think in general, there's, there's not really this one thing you can point to besides, obviously, the Iraq war of yeah. what Tony Blair's real legacy was. Um, so despite the fact he he is the Labour's longest serving prime minister, I don't think he he was ever radical enough and he never changed things enough, consider and he was meant to be left wing. And and, and and to me, the very basic kind of distinction between left and right wing is that left wing people want to change things more radically as such, mm. whereas right wing people tend to more want to go back to how things were. If that makes sense, um, and I, I just don't feel he ever really done that as such. I mean, what, yeah. what really, really puts you off of Tony Blair? Hopefully, um, maybe besides the the big one that obviously goes without saying.
0: Yeah, I, I would just quickly like to to mention that in terms <laughs> that in terms that I feel that there is no way that unfortunately nowadays. If you say the name Tony Blair, I think most people would now associate him with the the label of war criminal, whether that's right or wrong. Um, But but also I I would say there is no way I can deny that Tony Blair did have a some positive influence within this on this country. Um, You know, he did have. A level um, that brought in the the Good Friday agreement. He did see, he did bring in the national um, minimum wage. Um, So there are many benefits to what he did and his premiership. What I most um, don't like about Tony Blair is that I feel like sometimes he tried to be someone that he wasn't truly meant to be. And when I say that, I mean, as you've kind of stated in, in what you've said, Callum, he was a Labour person fighting on the right side of politics. And I feel that that was a wrong area for him to represent the Labour Party when the Labour Party aren't about being on the right side of politics, they're about standing for the left. And you might argue that that is why he has he was in um, his premiership for so long, because he did stand on that centralist right lefty side. Um, And that's why people wanted to vote for him. But also, I would say that even though it wasn't just under his premiership, it was also um, under Gordon Brown's. There is no way we can deny the fact of the amount of debt that the Labour government got this country into um, and how catastrophic that was for what any other um government was to do when they when they were to come in and i think that was the failure of the labor party especially people saw how much debt we were we were getting into as a country how how weak the pound was getting um and i i do believe that the the tories now do get a lot of blame for austerity and so on and so forth but we would never have had to have that if it wasn't for the Labour government leaving a note saying we have no money left in number 10. Um, I I do feel that even though all three of these candidates are controversial figures in British politics, every single one of them are successful politicians. Every single one of them have made their own unique impact on Um, Britain. And I do believe that even though most all of them have had maybe a career that has been slightly bumpy, the history books will be more favorable of them than rather look on them in a bad light. Would you say that as well? Um, I, I think that the history books will
1: be favorable in terms of, I think they were all trying to do what they thought was best for their country. Um, and I think that's kind of gets to the crux of of what this show is about and what politics is ultimately about, I think, in in trying to do the what you think is best. um and and I think quite often in the kind of rhetoric we see around politics nowadays, that gets muddied. and and you know from from left wing folk, they portray right wing people as as being kind of child eaters as such. <laughs> and right wing people pr- portray left wing people as being um, kind of a bunch of the, or the loony left, they like to call it. Um, and, and so I think ultimately, although each of these uh, kind of controversial candidates has reasons to be controversial, I think they ultimately were trying to do what they thought was best
0: and we should commend them for that. Absolutely. Um, right, okay, so it's now time um, to move on to our next song break. And remember, during that song break, we want you to vote on this question which of these controversial former party leaders is your favourite? And the options are Margaret Thatcher, Tony Blair, or Nick Clegg. And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. But for now, here is Mama's House by Push Baby. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, uh, which of these controversial former leaders is your favourite? So uh, the results are just coming in. Before they come in, Callum, who would you say will be on top?
1: Um, So I think probably Margaret Thatcher is going to come out on top in this one.
0: Uh, What about you, George? Um, I think it will probably be Blair. And, uh, And people, I did say that during the break, did I not, Callum? you did you did did. yes right so the results have just come in and um quite fascinating really margaret thatcher is on 22 percent um tony blair is on 47 percent and clegg is on 31 percent so blair has it blair has it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm I'm, i am quite surprised i'm very surprised
1: um but um i'm quite pleased clegg's come not too bad you
0: know? I mean it's, why, it's nice to see. why is there so much hate around Maggie I mean I love her I know my car after her I'm fine, I'm fine. I think
1: it's just like at university you're taught very much to dislike Margaret Thatcher as well so it oh, probably would... doesn't help if there's uni students listening no, I don't go to university <laughs> <laughs> right then time to move on to our fourth discussion of this evening and we're asking do you want to have children So recent generations have been having less children uh, than past generations, uh, data has shown. For example, in 2017 in the UK, the total fertility rate declined for the fifth consecutive year to an average 1.76 children per woman, uh, down from 1.81 in 2016. This could suggest less of the current um, childbearing age generations want to have children, Therefore, we wanted to kind of test this amongst our audience. Therefore, to you, audience, I asked, do you want to have children? And and George,
0: where where do you stand on this? <laughs> um, I I don't really know where I stand, if I'm honest. I don't have any ambition to, like, I'm not sitting here going, yeah, I really, really, really want kids. Um, but at the same time, I would never say no to having children. I do quite like the idea of, one day having my own children and, and being able to to carry on the cup name. Um, but I, I, right now in my life, I am too focused on my career to ever think about the children aspect of, of things. And, and as much as it's, it's a nice maybe, um, dream to have, to have the dream home, the, the, the lovely wife or husband, um, and and to have the the lovely kids with all the names that you've decided and, but i yeah no i i wouldn't say no but at the same time i'm not really saying yes Callum? I? um
1: see i i do want to have children um i i you know it's it's always kind of been a <laughs> without going too much into kind of a deep romantic it's it's always been sort of a a, a a dream of mine to have children oh not for a few years yet though um to, to my mum and nan and auntie who I say, probably so like you be got to tell us. this um but it does surprise me george that you you I, I would have thought you'd have been the exact same in in very much wanting to have children has that kind of has that changed in recent years or or has that always been the case where you're kind of um yeah. lukewarm
0: on the idea um, I think I've always been quite lukewarm. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I just—it's never really been something that I've been fascinated around. I, I quite like the idea of being able to give children back at the end of the day. Um, like when my sister has children, um, I will love to be the favourite uncle. But at the end of the day, I will very much looking forward to give them back. Yeah. Um, I know that the love is very different when they, they're your own children. But yeah, I just there's no real big ambition for me to have them but at the same time i would quite like to have them just one quick question for you callum what are the chances that you will name um your first boy after me um no no chance
1: sure Jessica. goes <laughs> <laughs> right, um i i i i guess it's the same to you um, yeah no
0: i i'm i'm gonna name my uh first child after tom now
1: oh okay brilliant yeah that's
0: fine you ruin that Um,
1: just to get a quick barometer on this, George, I mean, what do you reckon? Do you reckon our audience
0: will want to have children? I think it will be 58% favouring. Yes, they do want to have children. What about you? Yeah,
1: I think you're about right. Just just a narrow lead for, for the for the yes vote, as it were. Right then, it's time for you guys to have your say on this question. That is, do you want to have children? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. Uh, But for now, this is My Bad by Khalid. Hello and welcome back. So before the break, we asked, "Do you want to have children?" And you guys been voting away. So forty-one percent of you have said yes, you do want to have children. Compared to fifty-nine percent of you that have said no, you don't. So the other way round um, to what m- m- me and you thought, George. Uh, no, so I... how? Why do you think that is?
0: Um. W- well, because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think it's because a lot of people um of our age don't really like to think that far ahead and i think maybe having kids is quite a scary idea when you you're more worried about seeing your friends and actually doing school work or university work and things like that so i don't i don't believe that kids is, is on the cards right now um i mean if, if it is then good for you but um no i i don't think so i mean Callum, give me give me a, a time frame of when you're gonna have kids um i I was hoping i'd probably have them
1: in my in my kind of early 30s that sort of age i don't want to be too old of a a dad on the playground sort of thing yeah um what about you george Um, if you do end up having them probably
0: like
1: 60s Um, oh wow
0: okay no i'm joking probably around the 30s as well fair enough
1: fair enough well I look forward to uh, meeting your children George you're not meeting them <laughs> <laughs> right okay um, <laughs> we've actually reached the time to end the season show so thanks very much for listening uh, to the show uh, to be discussed with Cup and Gert we hope you've enjoyed uh, this
0: episode um, as mentioned earlier for the first segment of next week's show we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question what is the scariest film you have watched And why? You can do that by sending an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizradio. So remember that question is, what is the scariest film you have watched and why? And I already know um, what I'll be saying. Um, We're (laughs) looking forward to hearing your opinions next week, but it is now time for Callum and I to be saying goodbye. So as always, I have been George Warren's Uh, And I've been Callum Gurr. It's now time for the news. Thanks very much for listening,
1: everyone. We'll be back next week uh, for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?